Welcome to the Power Play Podcast, where international cricketer Kyron Powell and marketing genius Jordan Shannon join forces, bringing you captivating conversations with the biggest players in cricket and business. Join us as we dive into the lives of current stars in the cricketing world, the legends before them, and those extraordinary icons whose performances changed the game in both cricket and business. Exploring journeys both on and off the pitch, the boardroom, and everything in between. Get ready for an exhilarating blend of cricket, life, and business insights with two insatiably passionate, infuriatingly no-holds-barred hosts who, unfortunately for the rest of us, live and breathe this stuff for a living. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 18 of the Power Play podcast. I'm Jordan Shannon. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Kyron Powell. How are you, Kai? I'm good, Jordan. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Um, how was it getting back into getting stuck back into cricket? Uh, Dr. Water, isn't it? Well, it definitely was. Um, I know I sent you a message. I thoroughly enjoyed watching watching your bat because there was what I did, what I really enjoyed the most is obviously we we spoke the day before and you were talking about like you know just hitting a few balls this and that and then you said like look you know I'm just going to try to like you know leave a few and get sort of my eye in sort of thing and it was just the way you spoke about it and then how you did it was literally exactly how you sort of exactly what you said sort of thing you just made it look so easy. I think it helps that we were um, playing in Sinkets as well, obviously. Um, yeah. Being from this, um, I guess you consider Sinkets my adopted home ground. Um, so and that's where the franchise is based as well. So we know the conditions well. Um, yeah. I think that it was, it was a bit interesting as well because the ball did a lot less than I expected it to do um, in terms of throughout through the year. Um, there wasn't really much um, swing on offer, which isn't normally the case in Sinkets. The ball normally does something so that was interesting there wasn't oh, really okay. much spin and offer as well um, right. so that made it even more interesting as to i guess how trinidad got out in the in the first innings in their first innings but yeah yeah, it was, it was yeah. no i just think like i just thought the way that you went about it in terms of early on leaving the ball quite a lot but then obviously cashing into anything sort of remotely full um but one thing I did pick up on, and I know I'm not just saying it obviously because I'm on the pod with you and I speak with you on a regular basis, but I think the way that you spoke to um, some of the younger lads with some of the shots that they made or some of the shots that they played was so, I picked up on it so much because it's so important. And I know we spoke about this so many times before about this experience aspect, but I think it was a couple of times when uh, Mikhail Lewis, I think, he, I think one of them was a short ball that he went to play. Then another one was a bit of a full one that he just sort of like, dived into a bit too much and the way you sp- obviously I don't have a clue what you said to him but I said obviously you went down and had a chat with him he can sort of see how he sort of recomposed himself a bit and I don't think that you know whether it be test cricket whether it be you know franchise cricket T20 wise or even league cricket the importance of having somebody at the other end who can help guide you just through you know it might just be a single word or it might not be anything you might not you, might, you know you might not have needed to say anything you might just be a little bit of a look yeah, I don't know. It just it, it really stuck with me and resonated with me with the way that that is so important for any sort of form of cricket. Yeah, I think um, as a senior player, obviously, um, my role, especially in the batting sort of things, is not only a performance um, based thing, but it's also to help, I 
I guess, not guide and bring along the younger players. Yeah. Um, especially um, Nicole being an opening batter and being in such form. It's it's important that he sort of sort of doesn't take it for granted because you know it, yeah. he's two, he's two three games into his his professional career and he hasn't had a taste of failure yet. So yeah, um, he, he doesn't know or uh, I guess understand that you know it's not always going to be hundreds and fifties. They're going to be bad days. They're going to be bad games. They're going to be bad seasons. Yeah, um, and so it's it's just for me to keep him present at the moment. You know, not get too far ahead in terms of thinking that. You know, you can't play every and any shot because you're in form. You still have to, I guess, value your wicket and, and put a price on, on the way you play and cash in on, on this moment because, you know, the, the, these moments won't last forever and you want to maximise, especially at the start of your career, um, as much as possible every run-scoring opportunity you get. Yeah, definitely. I think that that's, again, it's, it's that piece of advice where you probably do feel a million dollars, but... You know, sport in general and, and in particular cricket, it could take one lapse of concentration and that million dollars is now down at, you know, it's a confidence thing at times. It's also remaining that sort of level-headed in a way of, you know, um, understanding the the broad, you know, the bigger picture in terms of remaining focused. And I think what was, my main point I was getting to is the fact that when you've got somebody like you at the other end, you know, he's always going to remain, or the batters especially who you're speaking with, they're always going to remain um, grounded in the way that they're going to remain focused in terms of like what's around the corner because you've been there before yourself. You know how it feels to feel a million dollars, but you also know what it feels like to, you know, to get yourself in a little bit of a rut at a time. And I think that we spoke about it before before Christmas, I think it was, or just after, no, it would have been just after Christmas, um, when the West Indies obviously toured Australia. And we spoke about obviously the West Indies lineup, you know, it's got, you know, it's um, full of talent, but it, ha- it hadn't got that necessary experience in that 11 from a batting side of things that potentially could help them so much more and, and nurture them to that next level. Um, and I think that, you know, with, with, with them having you around, is going to have a massive impact on them down the line. Yeah, hopefully, um, hopefully it's not just as well, not just mentorship, but performances from myself as well. And I'm, I'm looking to have yeah. another big season. Yeah. Um, obviously, with four games left, uh, we're on a two-week break now, so I think we're back on the 13th of March. Yeah, I think I checked the fixtures before, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, we're back in Trinidad against CCC. Um, we're sort of on a roll where we've won the last two matches now of out after losing the first match. So I guess looking to carry that momentum um, throughout the season now, obviously having suffered an early defeat and, you know, building on that and team understanding where, I guess, they fell short in, in that first match. Obviously, I wasn't, I wasn't a part of that. Um, yeah. They rebounded that second match. Again, I wasn't a part of that. And then how we've built on it in that third match and what each individual needs to do to take the team one step further each each and every time, um, I guess, to give ourselves a chance to be in, in, in the run for champions at the end of the season. I think we're in second place. Second place, Wimwood Island, the top, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, my experience, I mean, gathered with the experience of, of, of the other guys coming back in, I think we've got Justin Graves coming back in. Oh, no, um, yeah. For- Round. I think O'Shane Thomas may be available as well. Oh, right. Okay, wow. So we, we, we're coming close to, to full strength at the moment. You've seen, obviously, Mikhail Louis have an amazing start to 
his career. You've seen Joel Andrew have yep. an amazing bat to, to his first class career as well. The way he batted um, 17 years old and, and the shots he played, it was just refreshing. Um, and I mean, maturity. We sort of, yeah, we, we sort of expected it as um, Leeward Island's players because, I mean, we, we practice with him, we know what yeah. he's capable of, but, you know, to still go out and do it because at the end of the day, he still has to go out and do it. And obviously, after having um, a tough start to to his first class career, um, getting out <laughs> for ducking the first game, yeah. might always be there. But I heard he tried to hit his first ball for six. And so <laughs> me and him had a conversation. And then, you know, um, after he batted in the nets the day before the game, and, you know, just a couple of things that he thought. And then I just gave a few suggestions of what I thought. And, you know, other people chipped in as well. And, yeah. He's 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 special talent, special kid, and you know, we we're really looking forward to a lot more from him. Not just this season, but twenty years down the road. Yeah, definitely. Like I think, that, like I mentioned it then. I think he showed real maturity um, for his age, um, and all, not just his age, just obviously the volume of games he's played from a first class perspective. Um, so I think that you know there's huge potential, and I'm really looking forward to to watching someone like himself develop because I I know you spoke of him so highly, you know, even before obviously the, the under 19s world cup as well. So it's, it's, you know, it's nice for me to, to be able to sort of follow somebody's cricket journey from a bit of an outside perspective as well. So, but I think that you've got, you know, when you're talking now for the next round of games and obviously bringing in Justin Greaves and uh, O'Shane Thomas is a, a real, you know, big, big statement really. Um, and I think it's going to, you know, leave you in a, in a great opportunity to go and, you know, and win, you know, win the championship and things. But um, what? How can we end up batting solo down the order second second innings? It's just a bit of a tap. Uh, as you can see, uh, yeah, got a bit of a injury to my hand. I got hit two times in the same spot um, on the first day of the game when I was batting. Uh, Jaden Seals and Anderson Phillip. Um, both pole shots, getting through the shot too early, got hit on my um, bottom hand. And right. it's it's a bone contusion. Oh, right, so okay. they're expecting the recovery time to be two weeks. I think tomorrow marks a week, if I'm not right. mistaken. So, yeah. Um, that's, that's sort of given me just, I guess, a week out from the next match in terms of recovery time. Um, so it's it's good to be able to get home, freshen up, obviously be with them. Yeah. Um, relax, um, at home, home comforts, um, <laughs> doing things that a husband does on a daily basis, you know, <laughs> sort of refresh and get away from from I guess the game. Obviously I've only been there for a week, but you know, yeah. it's always to be back home and yeah, I think the injuries the injuries coming along nicely have been doing lots of Rehab from since I've been back um, three, four times a day. Right, okay. Um, I, can't, I can't do much. Well, I can't do any batting at the moment, but like I've, I've been doing lots of fitness work and obviously rehab stuff, and my hand is a lot more mobile. Like I couldn't um, feel anything in my hand All right. that, on that second morning when I went to bat. Um, so if you look at the tape, the physio came out and sort of strapped my hand, but like I couldn't grip the bat like there's no power there's no feeling right okay and it was swollen maybe two three times its actual size um so i couldn't i couldn't do much whilst batting because like i really wanted to 
obviously kick on and, yeah. and try and get the century there. But um, I mean, these things happen. That wasn't meant to be. I'm still happy that I got a score. Um, <laughs> not sure why I was asked to bat in the second innings uh, when we needed ten runs. I'm gonna say when you came, uh, I just assumed you. I, I assumed you picked up something because obviously watching yeah. it back and stuff. And then when I seen that you came out to bat, I was just a bit confused. And then I thought, is it is it just give someone else an opportunity? It just didn't really make much sense. But then obviously now it does yeah. make sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, no, the the progression is is going along nicely of my recovery from this injury. So hopefully, uh, I'd say by Monday, I'll try and start doing maybe some tennis ball drills. Yeah, um, low impact activity on my hands and try and like you know just get back into the rhythm of hitting some balls. I know the team travels to. Trinidad next week Sunday. Um, right. Okay. So, so we hopefully be able to get maybe a few sessions in before that. Um, yeah. And really put my hand through a good solid test to ensure that I am fit and and ready to go. No, definitely. Hopefully, hopefully. Anyway, it's uh, you know you'll be back in no time. Hopefully. Um, and obviously the 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 game was quite a landmark for. For Akeem Cornwall, he you know took his four hundredth first class wicket, and um, again someone who I've watched you know a lot over the past twelve months. But one thing I noticed more so, especially in this t- in this game, is his consistency with the ball. It's just it's it's frightening. He just doesn't seem to bowl many bad balls. Well, interestingly enough, I I don't even think that he's bowling as well as he can do, and he's he's got. I think fourteen or fifteen wickets. Um, yeah. So, I mean, now that he's getting into a rhythm, like it's it's, I guess for the teams coming up, it's it's going to be scary days because I, I think that he can get a lot more turn than what he's getting, a lot more fizz off the pitch. Um, right. That his his length um, could be a lot more a- attacking. I think like he's over pitching at the moment, um, and like. He's, he's still destroying batters, so I think that yeah. probably the next four games you'll see the best of him. And I mean, look, I, I think that it could be pushing 45, 50 wickets this season. Um, I, I can easily see another 30 wickets in the next four games. Wow. Wow. I, I, one thing I, I picked, I, again, only from watching it, obviously, from on, on YouTube, really, was the dip he seems to get. Yeah. It seems to be so hard. I can imagine, you know, batting. It must be so hard to pick the way he goes over the top of the ball. Um, and if you're saying, obviously, that you feel like he's not, you know, into full his full rhythm yet, it's definitely a, a frightening prospect for the rest of the rest of the Caribbean. Yeah, hundred percent. And when you think of it, you put it into, I guess, perspective. He's he's just crossed three thousand first class runs as well. I yeah, think maybe the match before this. Match so. before that, yeah. It, it's it's an all round effort from from Jimbo, and obviously we know that he catches and the stuff as well. So it's something that he's been doing over a long period of time, yeah. both bat and ball. Um, and I think what's nice to see as well is that the other bowlers this season are coming along as well. So he's actually not our leading wicket taker. Jeremiah Lewis up there I think with like seventeen wickets or something. Daniel Duran, who's yeah, extremely yeah. Um, consistent and an amazing partner for. Jimbo because Jimbo's not giving you much and he's not giving you absolutely anything on the other yeah. and he's just right there at you at you at you all the time and that, that yeah, yeah. in terms of us 
building pressure and bowling in partnerships. Um, and it's really good as well, obviously, having one left-arm spinner and one right-arm off spinner. Um, so you have the two variations that you can attack with. Um, yeah. So I think that the team is in a good place. Obviously, as I said, with the likes of Justin and potentially O'Shane coming back in, that's going to bolster, obviously, both the scene bowling department and, and the batting department with Justin as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but the guys are really excited about, I guess, where we are. Unfortunately, um, we won't be having Alzari this season for any games, I don't think. Um, okay. Which is a big miss because when he plays four-day cricket, it's basically a wrap <laughs> from, yeah. from ball one. Like, it's... I've, I can't remember the last time he's played a four-day match for the Leewards and hasn't taken a four-wicket haul. Wow. I think the last five games he's played, he's taken a four-wicket haul in each of... at least one innings of each of those matches. So it's it's always really good to have him around. Yeah. Um, that X-Factor Seema yeah. in, in collaboration with with Jimbo, you know, it's um, it's it's really good. Um, so, you know, guys are just happy, really good position, um, and Hello. looking to push on. Yeah, well, I'm sure we'll obviously touch base over the next few weeks and stuff. I'm looking forward to see how it, how it all unfolds and hope. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to sort of go on to the England Test match now between India, well, between that, uh, England and India that finished um, yesterday. Um, did you get a chance to see much of that at all? Uh, again, sort of clippings of it, obviously, because of my match and then travel yeah. and all these other things. But um, I'm well aware of, I guess, what sort of happened with it. Obviously, being in the Caribbean, it was, I think, starting at like midnight and stuff. But like, I generally slept with, I guess, the match on. Yeah. Um, like, uh, my subconscious could pick up what was sort of happening in the game. Yeah. yeah. Well, I just, I think, obviously, Touching on what we discussed last week in terms of, I know I had my little bit of a rant about the, Joe Root, and I was just chuffed to bits to him for him to sort of get that score because it just went to show that you know leaving that um, ag- that aggressive side or that sort of you know uh, forced aggression maybe in his part, he went out there and just batted in the way that Joe Root's batted or has batted for his, his career, and it just goes to show how important. Um, he isn't. He isn't that side, but also his role is just letting him bat. Really, I mean that's that's sort of what we discussed last week. Like, yeah. there's there's good and bad sides to I guess this approach that the England team have taken. Um, obviously, one of the major sticking points with most pundits around the world that I've heard last week is basically what we've discussed as well is is just letting Joe play. Yeah, I mean he's he's coming up to 12,000 test runs. Yeah. And as I said last week, he's the only person on earth that will ever come close to, if not breaking Sachin's um, test tally. Yeah. I don't think anyone's going to come close to it after this. No. Um, and so you don't, you don't get to be that level of player and have to go and play basketball. Like you, you are the one thing that doesn't need to be touched in that whole ecosystem. Yeah. And he actually allows for it to work even more so because you've got one solid player holding up one end. And so everyone can play freely around him, um, in my opinion. And when you, when you look at Ben Stokes and Ben Stokes at his best, um, he sorts of adopts a similar 
um, yeah. game plan to what Giroud does. Like he starts up, bides his time, bides his time, bides his time, yeah, and yeah. Wait, waits for the very end before he attacks <laughs> and really explodes. Yeah. Um, but then he'd have seen all the bowlers, understood the, the conditions and what he needs to do. Um, and so I think that, you know, obviously kudos to Giroud for, for making that change. Um, how much of that change being successful was because Boomer didn't play? We don't know. Well, um, and you can only back against what's in front of you at the end of the day, can't exactly. you? Exactly. Exactly. Um, but, I mean, this is a guy with 31 test centuries. I think they said no, he's got 10 centuries against India. So, um, hell of an effort, considering, you know, from, you know, the India side of the last 10 years as well. So, and nobody can take that away from, from him. And exactly. That, you know, the, the, it's there in, in, in black and white at the end of the day. Um, exactly. You know, and whether 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 the instructions was from above in terms of, you know, Joe, you're going back the way you're going back, or whether whether it's just something that whatever whatever it, whatever the fact of the matter is, is that that's the best Joe route when he when he's in that sort of mindset when he's just in his box or in his zone, you know, putting bad balls away, whether or, or whether it's defending two or three overs back to back, that's just the way that that Joe Root needs to play for England to to sort of, in my opinion anyway, be, be that successful side because we spoke about it before in 50 over cricket, how you have the role of an anchor um, and you let your, your finishers and your explosive players go and do it. But obviously with the way that England are playing under this basketball sort of, um, you know, approach, England have to have somebody who's going to be the glue. Um, you know, we spoke last week, obviously, about various other players in terms of that's the way they play because of the limitations. Well, Joe Root can, you know, has got all the skills to be able to go and do that anyway. But the the way that he can help England out is actually just by being Joe Root. Um, and I think that I also think that'll have an impact on the other lads in the team when you know, as we spoke about previously as well, is that there's always going to be times during a test match where you can't go gung-ho and you can't go aggressive. And when they see such a senior figure like Stokes at times, like you mentioned, and as Root um, last week, or sorry, in the the last test, you know, the likes of Zach Crawley and Ben Duckett, yes, you can be completely proactive and aggressive, but at times it's okay to to, to, to leave, you know, for a maiden to take place, you know, two consecutive or three consecutive quiet overs, it's okay. Because we, you know, we, you can. It's test cricket. It's allowed to happen, so you don't have to put yourself under pressure to, to you know, to, to pull out a stupid shot, which is sometimes what's happened um, during this sort of um, basketball era. I don't want to say era, but you know, under this sort of phase of, of aggressive cricket, because some of the some of the key moments in the game have gone by a lapse of concentration or like that, that too aggressive approach, which has led to a wicket, which has led to. You know, um, fall of the fall of wickets, which is something that happened in this test. Really, when England lost seven wickets for thirty-five runs in the second innings, you look at, you know, I think India got over the line a lot easier um, that was than what was sort of perceived at one point. Because when I got in the car to go to work on, oh, sorry, yesterday was they got two in two balls with uh, when they got Sarpa's Khan out and they needed seven to a five wickets in hand, you know, it was obviously sort of, um, you know, I thought that there's, you know, there's, there was a bit of a chance there, especially with the way that the wicket was playing at times. I thought there was an opportunity for England to sort of tie the series. 
Um, obviously, it didn't turn out to be the way because the way that um, I thought Shubham and Gill batted absolutely superbly. And I thought that Jurel showed again, we spoke about maturity. I thought the way he batted in the first innings, the way that he batted obviously in that second innings showed that aggressive aggressive cricket is obviously people see them, you know, batters, you know, stroke, you know, stroke play perspective. But one thing I thought he did really, really well throughout both his innings was just rotate the strike. You know, constantly just rotated the strike and rotated the strike, and he just killed that game in that second innings by just, you know, by rotating the strike. Yeah, that's important. Um, obviously, he's he's young in his test career as well, but to have, I guess, that level of calm, that wherewithal to understand that you know, the situation seems a lot bigger than what it probably was. Yeah. Um, in in retrospect, needing seventy with. Day and a half to go. It's not yeah. really that that much pressure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when you break it down that way, um, but obviously with a series on the line and you know being young in your career, um, it's it's going to have a lot more, I guess, pressure involved from from a personal standpoint. And so for him to understand, and I guess batting in Shubman Guild really helped him as well. But yeah. for, for him to understand that, you know, okay, obviously he got runs in the first inning, so he's he's got that bit of confidence about him and yeah. behind him as well. And and to go and play the way in which he did, I think it, it definitely opens up an additional avenue for India, in, in my mind, because obviously yeah. you've got the likes of Virat and Kale coming back at, at some point. You know, yeah. they will come back into the team, but um, you've also got the likes of Rishabh Pant, who's going to be back in action during the IPL, yeah, um, and who will be back in the Indian team as well. So that's that's three proper batters coming back into this team. But I think what Drill has done is raised his hand to say that okay, I'm not currently a first choice player, but if something happens to Pant or if something happens to one of the batters, I can even play. I can even play as an out and out batter. You know, yeah. so. Um, now, kudos to him. He's really, really impressed on on that front, and and he deserves, I guess, every opportunity going forward. Yeah, no, I, I think you, I think you summarise that perfectly. Really, I think that the way that they've got this sort of conveyor belt of players coming through, um, and the way that they just sort of take, it's like they're like a duck to water, as you mentioned at the very start of the pod. They just the way that they come into this side, I think that that sort of an environment um, that Rohit Sharma's obviously with his captaincy side of things is a way he's quite very sort of, I think this, I was reading um, an article that was talking about the differences between Coley and, and Sharma. I said Coley is very animated, very passionate, very, you know, um, well, he's just superb, obviously across all thoughts, but the way that Sharma is very relaxed and very sort of thing, they have that when they're in the team together, they have that perfect mix. And I think that once Coley comes back into that side, I think, I think that, I think you'll see that in that India side go to that next level again. Yeah. The skill perspective. 100%. And then you've got obviously the looks of Bumrah, who's probably going to come back into the next game. You've got Mo yeah. Shami, who's going to come back in probably at the end of the year. He's just had. He's had the injury, um, yeah. Surgery. Yeah. So he's missing the T20 World Cup and the IPL. Yeah. Um, fortunately for him. But there's, there's just so much talent there throughout that Indian ecosystem, as, as you've rightfully said, that. Um, I mean, it's just next man up mentality for them, and the next man up seems to be <clears throat> ready to go most, most more often than not. So it's it's, yeah. it's a really good place for Indian cricket to be, and I think that their, I guess, biggest thing right now is to try and find a way to win some sort of silverware because 
they generally get deep into, I guess, tournaments or even into the World Test Championship finals, but they they haven't been able to lift any silverware. Um, no. And I guess that that's that's what they'll be seeking most to sort of guess um, cap or crown off this this period of Indian cricket. Yeah, definitely. I wanted to get your opinion a little bit on a comment that Brendan McCullum made. Um, I think it was regarding the two spinners, so Hartley and um, Bashir, um, in terms of obviously saying that he wants them to to be playing sort of like prominent roles in the um, the county system um, and playing you know plenty of first class cricket in England. Now, there's a bit of a predicament with uh, Tom Hartley uh, playing for Lancashire, who signed Nathan Lyon. Um, and um, Bashir, who's playing uh, Somerset, who've obviously got Jack Leach as the, the first spinner, uh, well, the first option spinner. And I think that, you know, it's okay, Brendan McCullum sort of making these sort of statements, but at the end of the day, it's even though um, I think Old Trafford is the, the, the ground in the UK, sorry, the, the ground in England that has the most overs of spin played, during a first-class game, but I still can't see them playing two spinners, and I sure as hell can't see him bowling more overs than than Nathan Lyon. So I'm not really sure how um, these lads sort of get that next sort of development phase, really. Well, not only that, um, obviously them not being the, the first-choice spinners at their counties, but yeah. then you look at weather conditions in the UK as well, yeah. which doesn't warrant you playing two spinners, especially for, let's say, 66% of the season. Mm-hmm. It's only probably at the middle to the back end of the season that, I guess, two spinners even become a thought. So I guess it's it's a situation where England have to, I guess, send an SOS to the counties in terms of, I guess, maybe these guys going and playing for another county that doesn't have um, a first-choice spinner. Is yeah. is Jack Leach still England's number one spinner? Has Bashir overtaken him now? If that's the case, does Bashir get the nod at Somerset? Does Jack Leach have to go out on loan? Yeah. Um, again, Lancashire signed um, Nathan Lyon. Obviously, five hundred plus Test wickets. Do they then sort of come to an arrangement where Nathan Lyon doesn't play for Lancashire? Does he go and play for another county? Does Hartley go and play for another county? Um, what's yeah. going to be done there? Because obviously these two guys have have done really well. I, was, I mean, being very inexperienced first-class cricketers, yeah. not even test cricketers, just first-class cricketers. And the, the metal that they've shown on, on this tour warrants them being able to get opportunities to continue to develop because I think Bashir in particular has a very bright future for England. You know, he, yeah. he looks... He looks the part. He bowls at a good pace. He spins the ball. Um, seems to handle pressure very well. Um, he can bowl very long spells for someone that hasn't played much cricket. You know, he bowled so many overs in that last match. And I think that you know England have unlocked something with these two, um, again, that are looking in terms of an off-spinner, a left-arm spinner as a pairing um, going forward, especially in subcontinental conditions. Yeah. Um, not sure how much it's how much they'll probably be, be able to play together in in England, for example. But you you sort of think that not too far when you cast your your mind's eye back to a Monty Panasana, a Graham Swan, and you sort of have a similar pairing here again. Um, and so it's it's a good problem to have, but it's a problem that needs to be 
addressed as well because you can't afford for them to come back to the UK and, for example, at the start of the season, they're playing matches, but they're playing and they're not bowling at all in an innings because it's just so SEMA friendly. Um, or they're not playing at all and they have to wait until mid to end of the season. You know, it'd be better to send them off somewhere to maybe a spin camp in India or something where they could continue to hold their skills if that's the case. Yeah, definitely. And obviously without without opening up a, in a whole new topic in terms of the ECB sort of schedule, you mentioned there about um, sort of a set period of time where the wickets might be a bit more conducive to spin as we get into the English summer. So you've got June, July and August where I think they only play four first-class matches in those in that three-month period. So you've got November through to May where I think they play six. She's going to be SEMA-friendly. You know, and if, we've got, if we look in Lancashire's uh, instance, you know, they're going to be producing tracks that are Jimmy Anderson-friendly. That's what you're going to, you know, at the end of the day, he's going to be playing first-class cricket before um, the test matches start. You know, you're going to be catering for, you know, England's all-time leading test wicket-taker. It's just, that's how it's going to go. And you mentioned there regards um, Joey Bashir and obviously Jack Leach. Well, that's obviously down to Somerset to determine who they're going to go with. Um, and really, obviously, that off the back of that is going to have an impact on on England, really, because arguably um, the the one who obviously starts a Somerset as as a lead uh, the leading spinner is probably going to be the one that starts with England in the test in the te- test situation. So, I think that you know it's going to be an intriguing conversation that, that the counties are going to have with the lads and obviously whether they, you know whether they have communication with England as well I'm, I'm not sure but um, I think at the end of the day regardless of the situation the three spinners and also um, some of the other spinners around the county circuit are going to be th- you know I need to be having some form of uh, strategy in terms of how do I get overs in because you know if I don't play in the April period or I'm not bowling as many overs as I need to in the April and, and May period well the white ball situation comes into it and bowling four overs different completely different tactics before you know it you're at the end of September where the season's finished and you know what England go to I don't know where England play in say November time or whatever so isn't the Ashes coming up uh, next next year okay so I think it starts November 25 it'll be or December 25 I think it will be you know, and before you know it, and that's it. Before you know it, you it, it just happens so quickly. So I do think that off the back of the of um, Trobishier and Tom Hartley, there needs to be a little bit of a thought process to help these two youngsters out, because at the end of the day, I think they've come in, in for England, and it's been tough from a pressure perspective, but they performed well, well, very well, um, and both shown really good promising signs. But I don't think they, I don't think they should be left in the lurch. I think there needs to be, you know, there needs to be, there needs to be some form of strategy from a long-term perspective to how do we help these along the way, and if that is them going out on loan and helping that happen, fine. But, I think um, there will definitely be communication from Brendan McCullum, Rob Key, the ECB to the counties, um, but at the end of the day, the pitches are going to be the pitches, and the conditions are going to be yeah. the conditions. April yeah. will be what April will be, May and June will be what May and June will be. Yeah. So you can't you can't I guess change Mother Nature and, and conditions in that sense. No. So, no. Um I think it's just finding ways and being creative for for these guys to have an opportunity to continue to 
bowl meaningful overs in, in competitive scenarios and, and, yeah. and environments that allow them to continue to grow. Yeah, otherwise you're gonna get into a series again where they talk about the under the you know, that they both of them came into the India series talking about the lack of volume of first class cricket they played. Well, if you don't get the strategy right in there, they're gonna join to do the next away series in, in turning conditions and you know, they'll only have an extra four or five, you know, six games down line. It's not it's not gonna help the development really, but you know, that's something for the ECB to have at the end of the day and, and talk about. But um you know, hopefully they, they go to to um, Dharamasala um, for the fifth test. I think it's a little bit more seamer friendly by all accounts. Um, there, I think they were talking about the temperatures dropped quite a lot, and there's a bit of sleet forecast, which is bizarre to think that happens in India. Um, <laughs> so that'll be interesting to see how that goes. But I just think, from England's perspective, they need to finish this. They deserve, in my opinion, because they've had some, they played some good cricket. They just let themselves down. You know, as I've ranted over a few times, I think England have got a chance now to 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 try and bring this series to a little bit more of a three-two rather than the four-one. But I don't know. Are you smirking? No, you, you, yeah. Exactly. I know you. I know what you're laughing at and smirking. Four, at. One. four <laughs> one. Yeah. With Bumrah coming back in, it's not going to be easy. And Seema friendly conditions in Damshala. No. Um, I think the last thing that you want to be doing is. I guess basketball approach in seamer friendly conditions. Remember, they've mostly been playing on that flat. approach in, in yeah, flat yeah. conditions. So um, it's going to be interesting to see if the ball does go or how they do. I guess play or adapt their styles to to suit. Yeah. Well, this is what they've got to do at the end of the day. You know, we can't have it our own way. We're on playing on flat flat wickets. We're going to have to adapt. Um, and obviously, like we spoke, I spoke so highly. Obviously, we both spoke so highly of Joe Roots and Ins, and that's because he adapted. The other batters and the other bowlers have got to do the same: is work out a way of adapting their game in whatever condition, you know, whatever the conditions may be. And I think that hopefully, um, we'll start to see that to take place a little bit, and hopefully, we'll start England can start to see some positive results. Um, and then obviously, they'll play the fifth test, and then it goes into the English summer where. You know, it could be anything. Obviously, the weather plays a massive part in England as well, so it could be anything we get. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, the basketball approach has sort of been sort of Donald Trump-esque, isn't it? <laughs> uh, it's it's believe whatever we say, not what you see. Um, so yeah. it'll be interesting to see how, how they go. No. Well, thanks very much for tonight anyway. Um, you know, hopefully it's a speedy recovery not too far down the line and we'll see you in the in the next round of games but thanks very much Kai cheers Jordan good speaking you too. cheers thank you for joining us on the Power Play podcast hosted by Kyron Powell and Jordan Shannon we hope you enjoyed this immersive dive into the world of cricket and business exploring the unique experiences and perspectives of players past and present alongside those invaluable insights into intriguing business themes that transcend beyond the boundaries of sporting heroics. Be sure to set your reminders on your Alexa or Google Home device. Or we won't tell anyone if you still use those paper calendar things from a bygone era. Join us next time for more inspiring dialogue with scintillating minds on the Power Play podcast.